Hi, I'm Maggie. Hi, I'm Mark. And this is... Spatial Report. Welcome to Spatial Report, the podcast where we explore the latest news and trends in the world of geospatial technology. In today's episode, we have an exciting lineup of guests and topics. First, we'll be speaking with an expert on the cutting-edge topic of GeoAI. Our guests will share their insights on how artificial intelligence is transforming the way we analyze and interpret geospatial data, and how this technology is shaping the future of the industry. Next, we'll be joined by one of our regular panelists, a GeoGeek, who will fill us in on the latest news and updates on ArcGIS Enterprise 11.1. We'll explore the new features and functionalities of this powerful platform for managing and sharing geographic information. And finally, we'll wrap up the episode with a fun and challenging game show called M vs. M, a head-to-head battle of geospatial knowledge to see who comes out on top. So whether you're a seasoned GIS professional or just getting started in the industry, this episode of Spatial Report is sure to be a fascinating and entertaining journey through the world of geospatial technology. So, Mark... There's a secret about this today's episode, our introduction today. Do you want to spill the beans on what we just no. uh, just saw? I, I think you need to spill the beans because you're the evil one of the bunch here that made <laughs> okay. this happen. Okay, well, you know, today's introduction was written and uh, produced by ChatGPT. Oh my gosh, it's taking over everything, isn't it? I'm not so sure about that. I had to give it a little help with some prompts, but it was pretty good. You wouldn't necessarily know that a computer wrote that for us. That's true. Yeah, I guess this whole AI world is going to take over the podcasting industry. I don't <laughs> and of think course, so. this was this all inspired by the the Geo AI talk that we're going to have a little bit later. But something that artificial intelligence can't take is our love for maps. Mm, that's true. We definitely have a lot of things that we love about maps, and we want to that's share them. Right. Share them with everybody that's today. Right. And, that's, and that's what we do at the beginning of every podcast. We want to share what's making us mappy. So as always, we like to share something that's really cool that we've noticed in the ArcGIS metaverse. So Maggie, what is making you mappy this time around? There's always lots of things that are making me pretty pretty mappy, but uh, I have to go back to my my fave, our ArcGIS Pro, with the 3.1 update that happened this year. There's a lot of really exciting new things that I'm pretty pretty stoked to share, and I know I've shared stuff from Pro before, but there's always more I want to talk about with that software. But, All right. So, what have you got going for this time around? Yeah, this time it's um I'm pretty excited about the magnifier window in ArcGIS Pro. It's um. Not the the biggest and flashiest thing, but it's a basically kind of like a magnifying glass, as the name suggests, that lets you zoom into the smallest details of your map without losing the bigger picture. Um, it's kind of like a microscope for your data that you can sort of discover hidden patterns or just go in and fine tune little things uh, without having to sort of mess up your whole extent. And if you're an ArcMap user, it's something that you might have seen before because it did exist in ArcMap, but now it's finally in ArcGIS Pro too, so the Pro users have access to that option as well. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Something from my old (laughs) ArcMap days is made it in ArcGIS Pro. I love it. I'm glad that the magnifier window has finally made it in. So uh, talk maybe a little bit about how, how it works. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty simple and straightforward. You just you go into you know your view tab or uh, ribbon and open it up, and then it just brings up a little square on your screen that you can use to zoom into a certain section. You can drag it around, make it as big and small as you want, 
And then you can use it to just sort of explore the com your complex data if you have a lot of things in a close space or do some minor editing or even just admiring the beauty of your map up close with the, <laughs> just clicking and dragging it around. Yeah, I could totally see how this will be useful, especially if you need to preserve the scale of your map display for whatever reason, putting in that magnifying glass if you need to check out a fine detail, that would be really useful. Yeah. I love it. I'm definitely happy to see it in ArcGIS Pro 3.1 and of course in the future of Pro. So that's that's my thing that's making me mappy today. But what about you, Mark? What are you uh, mappy about? I want to give some mappy love to ArcGIS Hub and specifically the new function called Discussions. So if you're not aware, Hub is our community engagement platform and it's all about collaboration, people collaborating with each other. So Discussions just takes that to the next level where it enables uh, private uh, content-based conversations to happen within groups. Great. Yeah, I know you love Hub, so it's nice to see that there's a, <laughs> an option for discussions to happen in there as well. And and sort of how does that work? How would you use that? Well, it's in, in, in the simplest form, maybe I can kind of paint a picture where you uh, sign into a particular Hub page. Of course, when you sign with a named user, you're associated to some group. And maybe you're kind of scrolling around and you see this, uh, this data set that's really interesting uh, to you. So you look at the data set and there might be some questions that you have about it, or maybe there's some things that you want to add to it. So there's a little discussions button. You just click on that and you can start creating a post. And those posts can, can comprise of maybe a feature selection, or maybe you have you want to doodle some, some, some lines or some points on it, and then some add some text and you send off that post. Other people in that group will be able to see that post and then they can reply with their own posts and you can begin that conversation back and forth between members of your group about a certain data set. So I can see how this is going to be really beneficial to create that collaborative environment that Hub promotes. Yeah, definitely. It seems like a really good tool for sort of building that community and making sure people are engaged or given the option. So that's really great to hear about. And mm -hmm. um, I have a couple Hub sites in uh, how, what do I need to actually get that added to mine? Is there anything I need to get that updated up on there? <laughs> well, the big thing is that you do need an ArcGIS Hub premium license to get this going. So this may be an incentive to maybe begin to look at that premium license. And uh, honestly, this is just the beginning. So I could foresee um, the, the, the the function of discussions being expanded and and, and, and creating a wider scope. So maybe this is something you start playing with now and hopefully uh, down the road, you'll be able to really uh, reap the benefits of what discussions can do. Yeah, definitely something people should to look into. I know there's a lot of perks with the Hub Premium, so that's a great option. Uh, thanks for sharing that one with us. A lot of great stuff for people to look forward to. And coming up next, we have something pretty exciting. We're going to be talking all about Geo AI with our expert today. So stick around if you want to learn a little bit more about artificial intelligence in GIS. Artificial intelligence, or AI, is the science of teaching computers to learn and make decisions like humans do. It's no wonder that AI has become a buzzword in the tech world with its potential to revolutionize the way we approach complex tasks. But what about applying AI in the geospatial space? Can it help us solve geographic problems and simulate future outcomes? So today, let's not talk about ChatGPT, but let's chat GIS to share more about how we can use AI in our geographic journeys with GeoAI, we have Genevieve George from our from Esri Canada, who's a technical solutions specialist and our resident data science and GeoAI pro. 
She's joining us today from Ottawa. Thank you for being here, Jen. Hello, and how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's really sunny out, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> the sun will make everyone happy. Now, first of all, I think we've got to make a big announcement. So congratulations are in order, I believe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so you just got uh, your master's degree, correct? Yes, I just finished um, a couple months ago. I finished my long, drawn-out master's degree. <laughs> Ooh, what'd you get it in? I got it in geography, so Master of Science of Geography. And my thesis was concerning GeoAI, geo so very relevant to today. Eh? <laughs> yeah, Jen definitely is our GeoAI expert around here. And that master's, you know, seals the deal. But she knows <laughs> she knows a lot more than both Mark and I. <laughs> I think that we can, we can both admit that we're pretty much massive noobs when it comes to all this category of information. Um, so we need to start off with the basics today because we don't know anything. So Jen, what is GeoAI? So as Mark kind of introduced there, GeoAI, like AI, is really a kind of a buzzword right now. Um, but really what it means, it's, it's just the intersection of geospatial science and artificial intelligence. So the subsection of AI that applies to geography or geographic problems. So it's not new. The name for this field um, that deals with applying AI methodologies like machine learning and deep learning to geographic problems is just that. It's just a name. GeoAI is not a brand new thing. And, and as Mark explained, you know, AI is kind of the, the domain or the field concerning the simulation of human intelligence by machines. Um, and in GeoAI, often what we're working with is specifically machine learning. Um, so if you imagine, maybe you've seen this diagram before, but you can imagine kind of like a big circle and that circle is GeoAI, it's the field of GeoAI. And then within that, there's a smaller circle, or I should say AI in general. And then within that, there's a smaller circle or a medium-sized circle, and that's machine learning. And machine learning is specifically um, teaching a machine to learn or um, to mimic humans' problem-solving skills. And then within that medium-sized circle, there's a smaller circle, and that's deep learning. So deep learning is a subfield of machine learning, which is a subfield of AI. And deep learning is really just using particular methodologies or particular algorithms to teach the machine to learn. So to sum up, GeoAI is just AI. It's just the use of AI methodologies to solve geospatial problems. Wow, this all sounds really, really cool, but I'm still kind of confused about when you should use AI. So, so what's a good scenario of when you should use AI or machine learning? So determining whether AI is, is useful to use is actually you know, going to be the first step of any problem where you're thinking you might want to use AI. Just, just asking that question is a good first step and it can be a skill on its own. Um, you know, it's not always clear when you should use AI or when you shouldn't use AI. Um, but some primary kind of applications where machine learning is particularly useful are tasks involving um, the prediction. So predicting something from, um, from existing data create or predicting an outcome or finding patterns in complex data. So tasks like classification or clustering or um, regression, using a regression analysis to predict outcomes, um, those are all good scenarios where machine learning is particularly useful um, as opposed to a different kind of methodology. And there's other considerations. Um, so one would be kind of the amount of data that you have. The more data you have, the more useful machine learning is going to be. The less data you have, 
the the less ability the machine is going to have to learn from that data. So you're going to end up with errors or, or potentially bad outcomes. Um, on that same vein, kind of how noisy your data is, is also going to influence whether you should use machine learning or not. If your data is really, really noisy, then the machine is going to be learning the noise. It's not necessarily going to be learning the underlying pattern. So it might be really specific to that data and the noise that's within that. Also, how much time or how much, how many resources you have. And that kind of ties in also to how complex the problem is. So if you have tons and tons of time and tons and tons of resources, the machine learning might be a really good way of, of solving a problem. Um, but if you have limited time, then, you know, GeoAI, machine learning, these are not, it's not magic. If you don't wave your wand, it does take a lot of, of effort to create something that is useful. Um, so that's also kind of how complex the problem is. You know, if you can do it with something that doesn't take as long, then that might be a better way of solving your problem if you have a simple enough problem rather than doing the complex route, which might not get you any better results. So for example, if you're classifying streets as pedestrian safe or not, you could use machine learning to do that. You could use a bunch of different inputs and, and teach it to decide whether a street given certain qualities of the street make it pedestrian safe. But if you could do that same analysis with just some simple queries, like is there a sidewalk or not, then why would you use machine learning? It might not be useful in that case. So those are all the kind of considerations you should you should be thinking about on whether your task can be solved with machine learning or if it's better off solved with some other sort of methodology. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's definitely a lot that people have to think about if they're looking to use sort of the AI route. Um, and you mentioned briefly some kinds of questions that the geospatial questions that can be answered with AI and definitely give an example of one where maybe you wouldn't want to use it, but is there sort of an example you can give of when someone might actually go for the, the AI option? Is there a task that would benefit from that tool? Yeah, for sure. There, there's many, there's, there's tons and tons and tons. And one major field right now is in computer vision. So it's a major field of um, AI and machine learning that applies to GIS specifically because it applies to raster data. Um, so computer vision is basically the ability of a, of a computer to see an image. Um, so I should say see with quotations, um, you know, because the computer doesn't have eyes. It doesn't have the same optical structure that we have. But if you imagine you're looking at a satellite image, you can see patterns like fields and cities. You can identify that, oh, that's a city. I can tell based on the satellite image. I can see that those are roads. I can see that th those specific housing lots have, have uh, pools or not. And computers traditionally can't see those things. They, that's not how they work. They're just seeing a series of pixels. But they can be taught to interpret those series of pixels as the kinds of things that we're seeing. So if it's objects or um, um, certain patterns of pixels. So machine learning can be used for things like land cover classification um, and object detection and object classification. So you can teach the computer to determine which pixels belong to which land use type. Um, or which pixels form, you know, a, a swimming pool object. And in ArcGIS Pro, there are a lot of existing image analyst tools that do this, and also deep learning tools that you can use to create or, or use models to do that kind of computer vision. Um, beyond computer vision, there are also other tasks that incorporate machine learning that you've maybe used without even considering that it is machine learning. Things like clustering, so taking a large quantity of point data and identifying groups of points or similarities between those points. 
um, that's kind of a traditional um, GIS application that, that often uses machine learning methodologies to, to accomplish those tasks. Or um, prediction algorithms like geographically weighted regression to model spatial relationships. Um, you know, that sounds really fancy, but those are those are tools that have existed in RTS Pro for, for a long time. Those are tools that we've been using as, as GIS professionals for a long time. They're not, they're not brand new. So we're entering kind of a new age of machine learning and AI, especially, you know, when you talk about chat GPT is, is you know, all the rage right now. Um, but it's important to recognize that some of these things have been around for a long time. We've been using machine learning for a long time without even really thinking about it as machine learning. Um, so many applications of AI aren't as unapproachable as they might seem. They're, they're kind of these basic things that we've been doing in GIS for a long time. It's really interesting how you brought up clustering as sort of an, an example of uh, AI in action. It's, it's something that never really put together, but it makes a lot of sense. But as you know, Jen, I'm not a very smart guy, so I'm really curious about how steep this learning curve is. If you've never used machine learning before, could someone like me actually be able to do any of this? Mark, I have no, no question that you would be able to, but in general, <laughs> it really depends on how you want to use uh, machine learning or AI. If you just want to use kind of, you know, an existing model, like the pre-trained models that are available on the RTS Living Atlas or some existing geoprocessing tool, then you should have a general idea of how the model works or how the tool works, what data it uses. Um, you know, what is it doing in the background and then what is the output? But really, that's the same advice I would give to anybody that's working with a geoprocessing tool or methodology that they've never done before. This isn't, you know, it's not different advice because it's machine learning. You know, if you're using, let's say, like the, the hotspot analysis tool, it's, you know, a pretty complex tool. It's doing some statistics in the background. I would suggest that anyone that's going to use that tool should probably learn how it works so that you know how to interpret the results. And it's going to be the same thing with any of these AI tools. So the learning curve is really learn about the thing that you're trying to do. And it's just a, it's just a tool. It's just a geoprocessing tool, same as other geoprocessing tools. It's doing some complex stuff in the background, but that's the kind of stuff that you can really, you can learn on your own. And I'm sure most GIS users have those skills. You know, at the end of the day, these are similar skills to what you've gathered throughout your education and your career as a GIS user is learning how to interpret results and how to understand tools. Beyond that, beyond just using a tool, you know, AI is a spectrum, machine learning can be a spectrum and so is the knowledge necessary to wield it. So, you know, using existing AI tools is one thing and then assessing whether AI can be used or useful for your own project, that is kind of an, its own thing as well, you know, and then training your own model and then developing the underlying algorithms. Like all of those are different things that fall within the domain of, you know, learning AI. But you don't necessarily have to know how to write the algorithm that underlies a model in order to use the tool. So I would say that the learning curve is as steep as another complicated geoprocessing tool, but it can get more complicated the more that you want to do with AI. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I guess one of the big things about the AI conversation right now is that it's going to take over our jobs, right? And it's going to take <laughs> over the need for human beings. So uh, will GeoAI take my job as a GIS analyst away? Hmm. 
Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I don't want to be too confident with that or time might look back. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to give you any false promises, Mark, but probably not. And at least not yet. But it will probably change some things about your job and my job and just generally the GIS world. So, you know, I say not yet because AI still has some key limitations. You know, it can do some amazing things within a framework, particularly when we discuss machine learning and deep learning, you know, a machine can learn or teach itself to do some super amazing things, but often those tasks have a very narrow or specific objective. And one of the primary skills of a GIS analyst or you know any kind of analyst really is to problem solve. So to figure out what methodology you should use to solve a problem. We can also learn continuously and on the fly. You know, we can adapt our methodology based on results that we're getting and, and keep going, which AI can't can't do yet. Um, so there's some key limitations that make, you know, analyst jobs in general still important, right? You're not going to be able to necessarily teach a computer to use the kind of judgment that we have. It's too complex. We're making decisions not just based on what we've seen, but based on tons and tons and tons of things. And if, if you know, great, if people figure out how to model all of those different factors so that a computer can decide exactly what kind of analysis to do and then also execute it. You know, maybe I don't mind leaving my job. If, if computers get to that point, then they can have my job. <laughs> but I think in general, it's not going to happen soon. Um, and I think, you know, one of the key takeaways I would like people to have for that specific thing is that AI is, is going to become more and more important and learning about it, learning how to use it, learning what it does even just as a, a basic thing is going to be important as we go on and as AI develops. And there's gonna be more and more things that AI can do that are going to be useful for us within our jobs, not to replace our jobs, but to make our jobs easier or give us more time to work on different things because the analysis and certain parts of it are going to be um, become easier or there's gonna be new tools that we can use. And all of those, to me, that's, that's awesome. Those advancements in AI are what we should be, you know, hoping for and looking for for our own jobs. Well, you have told us uh, a lot today, Jen, and it's been really great information. I think I'm actually going to dust off my old tutorial deep learning uh, <laughs> palm tree detection project that I never finished uh, <laughs> a long time ago to try to try to get back in on this because it seems like this is um, the way of the future, but uh, it doesn't actually seem as scary. So thanks for that. Uh, because it's such a big topic and we, we want to ask all of our, our guests who are on here, if people are only going to remember three things about GeoAI, what are the three things that you think that they should take with them today? Um, okay, the first would be that it's not as scary as it seems. Um, and if you know how to use tools for analysis and then evaluate the results and evaluate your accuracy, uh, you're already in good shape to get started with AI which I think most GIS analysts already have those tools. So it's really not as scary as it seems. Take the plunge, try using you know, a pre-trained model or just kind of dip your toes into how it all works and just try it out and see for yourself that it's not, it's not as scary as it seems. Um, secondly, I would say AI is not gonna take your job probably. I, I wanna put all those qualifications in there. I, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, but <laughs> it's probably not gonna take your job, um, but you should learn how it works and how to use it just so that you can, you can leverage those tools as they come out to make your job easier. Um, and the third would be, it's a tool. GeoAI, machine learning, all of those things are a tool. 
They are not a solution. They're not a magic bullet. You know, it's not a wave of a wand. And then automatically this just something works. You know, you have, you sprinkle a little bit of fairy dust on your analysis and ta-da, you have a result. You know, that's not how it works. You have to be training your, you have to collect training data. You have to train a model. It's an iterative, iterative process to make sure that it works. And once you have a model, it can be really, really useful. But that model is a tool that you can use to achieve an, an end. It's not a solution in and of itself. Wow, that's really incredible. Thanks, Jen, for really kind of putting my mind at ease that the robots are not taking over tomorrow and <laughs> going to beat us to a pulp. We hope, really we hope that they're that. not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, we also want to do a shameless plug because uh, coming up in a few weeks, you'll be doing a webinar. Tell us about it. Yes, that's correct. Um, I wish I already had the name finalized, but I don't. Maybe we can we can workshop that uh, ourselves sometime. But uh, it'll be imagery and GeoAI. So incorporating GeoAI methodologies like machine learning and deep learning into imagery workflows. So we'll look at some of the pre-trained models. We'll look at how to use um, the tools that are available to train your own model and get some outputs. So with imagery specifically. But yeah, it'll be great. It's on June 22nd. All right. Circle your calendars, everyone. That's going to be a really cool <laughs> one. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jen, for joining us today. Yay. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Genevieve George is a technical solution specialist with Ezra Canada, and she joined us today from Ottawa. Coming up next, our GeoGeek is here to talk all things ArcGIS Enterprise. It's time for the GeoGeeks, the segment where we bring a resident expert to nerd out on her favorite topic. And today, our enterprising GeoGeek is Michelle Brake. She is our Enterprise Solutions Specialist at Desert Canada and is joining us today from beautiful downtown Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Mark. Hello, Maggie. Thanks for letting me join you and talk about all things ArcGIS Enterprise. Love it. Yeah, thanks so much for being here with us today, Michelle, on our, your first episode of the show. Since it's your first time as our GeoGeek, we want everybody to get a little knowledge about you and know about why you're our enterprise GeoGeek. So what is it that you love about ArcGIS Enterprise? The thing that I love about ArcGIS Enterprise is that you're able to do almost anything with it. The sky's the limit. It's open to any interpretation and your imagination for how far you want to take it. With ArcGIS Online, we have that as a platform, as a service, and that's great. Awesome. But Enterprise takes that a step further. You get full control over your infrastructure, over how you're going to deploy all of your machines. What are you going to do with extensions and how far you can take that? It just depends on what your organization's vision is. And that's really cool to see how those stories play out organization to organization. That is really cool about ArcGIS Enterprise. And it's a really exciting time because we have a new release of ArcGIS Enterprise. How Yay! exciting. 11.1 just came out. And I'm sure there's a lot of cool new features and enhancements that's been added in. So what are some of the highlights with uh, this version of Enterprise? Yeah, so a few things that we're looking at with this release. Um, service webhooks were introduced as beta functionality at 11.0, and they provide insight into your web services, help to simplify workflows, and allow for easier decision-making within organizations. And 11.0, we saw that as beta. Now we're at 11.1. Now it's fully integrated. And as that core functionality with feature service webhooks, we're able to create, read, update, delete for different operations, for referenced and hosted services. And for geoprocessing services, webhooks are actually able to update you on job services for asynchronous status. Um, and it's really interesting with these together, 
You can further loop those in with different scripts or functionality that you're looking to use. So you can have a better idea of what's happening throughout your organization. And then another thing are custom data feeds, and these enable connections to new data sources not previously available in ArcGIS Enterprise without having to copy and format into an ArcGIS native format. Um, so rather than exposing your data to ArcGIS Enterprise within some sort of GIS format, now you don't have to actually register or physically transfer that data, and users can actually configure custom data feeds to create read-only services for those custom data providers. Another kind of big thing, but is going to be happening behind the scenes, so not something that's going to be very flashy for the end user, is the .NET 6 ArcGIS Web Adapter update for Microsoft IIS users. And this is going to help modernize your enterprise system as the .NET 6 is Microsoft's latest version for their longer term support. And this transition to .NET 6 is better positioning ArcGIS Enterprise and Esri for future development enhancements that are going to keep us at the forefront of the software development community. And the main thing to know is that with the .NET 6, uh, you're going to have to have a few prerequisites installed before installing your ArcGIS Web Adapter for Microsoft IIS. And these are all going to be available within some of the documentation. You can go check out on the Esri support pages. Um, another great thing with all of these releases for ArcGIS Enterprise is that we see the map viewer usually getting a lot of functionality that we've seen over the past few updates in ArcGIS Online. And this release is going to include some added support for viewing related records and pop-ups, new clustering options for visualizing big data, and the ability to fil filter some multi-dimensional imagery layers. All of the great things that we've seen coming into ArcGIS Enterprise and you've had a chance to play with over there. And as always, there's plenty of other updates to applications and portal and server extensions. The list is endless, so make sure to check out the release notes or a recent blog post from Esri that'll highlight everything that's happening with this release. Well, lots of new stuff is coming. Great to hear about all of that. Um, you covered so much, but I know you briefly just mentioned some updates to extensions and other applications. I know there's too much for us to cover in just a quick conversation, but are there any standouts that our listeners should know about? Yeah, the biggest standout is actually going to be from ArcGIS Monitor, which just saw its release back in February. And at this release, it's the next generation is coming forward with the product. And this one is going to be version ArcGIS Monitor 2023.0. And with this, we're seeing a redesigned user interface. We're also seeing installation support for Windows and Linux machines. Um, the internal repository is going to change from being MongoDB to PostgreSQL, which is pretty exciting. Um, as well, we're seeing a change in the version naming. So as we're looking through this, we're looking at what things are going to be compatible moving forward and backwards. So ArcGIS Monitor 2023 is going to be compatible with versions of ArcGIS Enterprise 10.6 and up to current versions. And for those that are new to Monitor, um, it helps you operate and manage ArcGIS Enterprise implementations, monitor your performance, your usage, their system health. And this allows you to collect data and information on your actual deployment and use that for collecting metrics to help make informed decision making in terms of resources, as well as helping stakeholders understand what is actually happening behind the scenes. Where should we be putting more resources? Where should we be focusing more time in terms of things that may be a potential issue? And that helps with your informed decision-making for your backup planning, your upgrade planning, everything as a whole that you're looking at as an administrator. 
Um, just got a couple minutes left, and I know the burning question for a lot of enterprise administrators is the upgrade process. So uh, for those who are planning their upgrade to 11.1, do you have any good advice on how they should be preparing for this? Yeah, for sure. And with 11.0 and 11.1, we did see a lot of changes coming in where if you're an ArcMap user or you have ArcMap services still within your enterprise at 10.9.1, this is the time where you're going to have to start making some tough choices of if we're moving forward, into 11.1, which is going to be our longer term release, we're switching to ArcGIS Pro only. And there are some tools that are included to help you identify what are those resources that currently exist using the ArcMap runtime. And at 10.9.1, that's where we saw some of these tools being introduced to help you make those changes already. So if you're at 10.9.1, great. You're already positioned well to start making those changes with your services, making sure everything's going to function as you move forward. If you're at an earlier version, going to 10.9.1 is going to be your best bet before taking that leap forward. Another thing that we want to make sure that people understand is as we go to the 11 series with these releases, there's also going to be some changing to your licensing, where previously we were able to use license files between, say, a 10.9 and a 10.9.1 deployment. Starting at 11.0 to 11.1, we will have to get new license files, and that's going to continue as we move forward. So just an extra thing that we'll have as a step moving forward. Yeah, that's a really good point. Don't forget those license files are pretty important. So make sure you have that in the back pocket. Michelle Brake, thank you so much for joining us. You're going to be our resident geo geek for anything enterprise. So you're going to be coming back to the podcast all the time to give us the latest scoop on what's going on in enterprise. So we appreciate your time today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to see what we'll have next time for New Arctic Enterprise News. All right, Michelle Brake, she is our Enterprise Solutions Specialist, and she comes to us from Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Thanks, Michelle. We're going to have you stick around today because we have a twist in today's episode of M versus M, and that is coming up next. And we're back, and it's time for M versus M, the game show where we pit the hosts together to see who reigns supreme. But today, it's a little bit different because we have an extra M in the house. Michelle Brake is back and still here with us. Hi, Michelle. Hi. All right. So for today's edition, it's going to be Maggie versus Michelle in today's Battle Royale. The rules are basically going to be the same. You could get three questions right, you win. If you get three questions wrong first, you lose. But the game is going to be a little bit more challenging because we have two contestants in this edition. So let's give this a whirl. We'll see what happens. And today's game is going to be based on the GIS Dictionary. You guys ever checked out the GIS Dictionary on our uh, support page? I can't say I have. This is the first time learning of it, but I feel like I'm going to have to go look after this. Yeah, I've never (laughs) seen it either. (laughs) Guys, we'll send you the links on our website. So what I did is I grabbed a few definitions, and you just need to tell me what the definition is or what the topic is of that definition. And um, the, the key thing is that all of the words begin with the letter A. Okay, so that is going to be your clue to make this a little bit better. We flipped coins, and Maggie, you have drawn to go first. So you get the first word. Okay, so here comes the definition. A closed two-dimensional shape defined by its boundary or by a contiguous set of raster cells. What is that? Closed, two-dimensional shape. Um, I didn't Defined think this by would... its boundary. 
Yeah, an area. Area! See how easy that is? Ding, 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 yeah! ding, 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 ding. <laughs> It's an area. It's a little slow, slow to think about that one, but yeah. <laughs> All right, one right, four bags. Okay, Michelle, you're up next. A designation of a location of a person's residence or workplace, an organization or a building. Absolute location or coordinates? Can I come in to steal? steal? Yeah, I want to steal. It's a, uh, it's an address. It's an address. Yeah. I'm gonna overthink all of you. Ding, 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 ding. All right, very good. So Maggie, you got two right. Michelle, one wrong. But Maggie, you can actually seal up the game with this one. Okay. Are you ready? Pressure's Here we on. Go. Non-spatial information about a geographic feature in a GIS, usually stored in a table and linked to a feature by a unique identifier. Uh, unfortunately, Michelle, Mark gave me the easy ones today because I know exactly what this is. This is an attribute. Attribute! Ding, 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 ding. You got your three right first. Uh, see, that's cruel, but... Michelle, we'll give you. Uh, we'll, we'll throw you a ball. We'll, we'll make this for a tie. How about this? We're gonna we're gonna make this exciting. All right. In ArcGIS, text or graphics that can be individually selected, positioned, and modified. This is really fun that you think. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best game show you've ever been a part of. Definitely my not best performance on a game show. <laughs> But how can anyone live up to my to mark on the prices right? Oh, <laughs> burn! Um, I don't know. Maggie knows it, don't you? Maggie, you know. I know. I don't want what to steal again. I saw, it, it's my time and support, man. These words they just they just are always being used. So I feel like all a right, go for it. Spill the beans. I believe that this is an annotation. It is annotation. Very good. Maggie, you have completely dominated this version of M versus M. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, I love coming back and just, just winning every week. Don't worry, Michelle. Uh, Mark, <laughs> it's not it's not the first time that I've completely schooled Mark at this game, so it's all good. Oh. <laughs> well, well, you I know what that means. That means. <laughs> I'll prepare for our next time that we mm -hmm. come together. Yeah, somehow <laughs> I think you'll be like, oh, I'm really busy, can't do this. <laughs> well, as you know, the punishment for losing M versus M is you have to read the outro. So, Michelle, it's all yours. What? Oh, no, her audio seems to be, what? <laughs> she can't. All right, all right, I got the outro in front of me, so I'll take care of business. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Spatial Report. Please check out our website at esri.ca slash spatial report to learn more about the topics we covered today and a whole lot more. And you can subscribe to our monthly Getting Technical Newsletter that highlights all of the latest news in our technology. Also, don't forget we also have another podcast, Geographical Thinking, where we take care of all the inside scoop of your GIS stories. This podcast is brought to you by Esri Canada, a technology company that empowers people and organizations with the science aware. We'll be back next month, right, Maggie? Yep. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what you want me to victory. say. <laughs> I'm just feeling right, so good on my wind. Happy mapping. We'll chat soon. Bye.